We're on a mission from God. And now, something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in New Athens, Illinois, and Trinity Lutheran Church in Darmstadt, Illinois. And I've got right next to me, right here, right, I could reach out and t- In fact, I did. I just reached out and touched him. <laughs> Live and in person. Yes. Uh, Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark. Had to think a second, didn't you? <laughs> from Ascension Lutheran Church. In St. Louis. No, I was thinking, yes. we're not really live on a Saturday morning. I'm live right now and That's in person. True. You're reaching we, we out don't come and, in and touching dead. me again. <laughs> but, no, I touched you. I proved that he's live. actually here. <laughs> and, and tell him why you're so excited to be from Ascension because uh, here's what we're doing. We, we've only got a couple weeks left in Epiphany. And so then it'll soon be Lent, and we got to be bummed out, right? That's what we do so for Lent. So it's time to live it up, Yeah, right? we got to have some joyful, happy That's things, right. some things to be excited about. And, and boy, do we have something to be excited about. And when you think about. about joy and happiness, yes. what makes you more joyful, more happy than ice cream? How about frozen custard? That's the only thing I can think of <laughs> was frozen custard. That's right. And I am joyful and happy because uh, at Ascension Lutheran in beautiful South St. Louis, we are just blocks away from the best ice cream shop in the entire, not just city, not just state. That's right. Not just country. No, the entire world. The entire world. Now, let me just preface. official. Let me preface by saying that if you're in New Athens, you can go down to the Casey's and you can get ice cream 24 hours a day, okay? That is hard to beat. It's just, you know, I mean, at least the availability is a good thing, but it is nothing compared to Ted Drew's frozen custard. Explain what this is all about. This is uh, hot off the press. In fact, as we record this on on Tuesday, Valentine's Day, uh, just yesterday, uh, Ted Drews was awarded this this, uh, sharp-looking trophy. They have it on display in their window. Uh, But every year, apparently, they have this uh, Sul Nawa's if I'm pronouncing that right, annual ice cream index challenge to earn the title of the world's best ice cream. Uh, according to this article in USA Today, by the way, not just a local paper, but you know the, yeah. the, the national yes. one, with 30,000 votes cast, Ted Drews took the top spot, beating out over 20 ice cream and frozen custard stores from 13 different countries. Incredible. Uh, so, uh, again, this is a congratulations to Ted Drews. Uh, my family and I go there way too much, <laughs> even before they were proclaimed the best ice cream spot. But the rule is when we go there, we have to walk there and back. Ah. We're close enough. We're within walking distance to so the best ice cream shop in the world, but we have to walk there and back. We think, you know, at least that helps to, to balance out the calories. Burn up some of the calories. Exactly. Yeah. It's, so, anyway. Yeah, congratulations. And uh, and the thing of it is, it's on Route 66, too, as the article points out. So you have that nostalgic feel, too, even as you uh, visit Ted Drews. And that's just exciting to think that this local uh, St. Louis, uh, well, I can't say it's an ice creamery because it's, it's a it's, it's a frozen, frozen custard, custard yes. creamery. Yeah. Custardry? Custardry. I don't know. But we they are closed, unfortunately, sadly, for about a month and a half in the yep. winter months. But they just reopened. So uh, I, all is right in Pastor Clark's world again because well, I felt a little off for a month and a half. And, and I do need to say a word of thanks because this is Valentine's Day we're recording. But uh, we will be airing this on my birthday, by the way, February 18th. Yeah, that's right. And, and, Happy and, birthday. And Matt brought 
brought Ted Drew's ice cream and this little special component that has the dried ice and everything so it'll it won't melt in the car on the way and home. And that's today. why another reason they are the best ice cream shop they are. in the world. They are. So thank you, Matt, and thank you, Ted Drews. And again, we're going to be emphasizing this week and next week some of the things that, that, that the world is good. It's still a good world, even with all the sin and all the other things that are going on. So we're getting greater every day, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> you think that was Trump? Man, we make America great. We're going to start having the ice cream awards. <laughs> That's a good start. Let me That's tell you. It's start. a step in the right direction. It couldn't hurt. <laughs> so, Matt, getting serious, uh, what did you want to talk about? You said you wanted to talk about some sermon you heard or something? Sure. Or? Well, what I'd like to talk about, we've been at Ascension. I'm sure many other churches have been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. As you pointed out, this is the season of Epiphany, and we're we're looking at God made manifest in Jesus Christ, and who is this God? And, and we have Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as our gospel reading uh, the, the past few weeks, kind of walking through that most famous of all sermons. And, and, and it fits in well with Epiphany, like you said, God made manifest in man, because that they heard him teach and said, we've never heard anyone teach like this. He teaches with authority, yes. they said. And, and of course, one of his most authoritative uh, teaching was the Sermon on the Mount. So where do you want to pick up on the so, Sermon on the Mount? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, By the way, why it, is it called the Sermon on the Mount? Well, it was... <laughs> Let's preach on a mountain, on oh, the okay. mount. <laughs> so it's just that so, simple. Yeah, I think it's nothing that simple. complicated. Yeah, nothing too complicated. Right. So Jesus teaches, and yeah, it's kind of interesting. You want, you know, uh, Jesus teaches not just his disciples appears, but a crowd of people here. Uh, so it's not like Confucius says. Confucius says, "Man who who teaches on a hill, not on the level." <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. That's not applicable at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not, okay. Chad. But yeah, as you look at this, maybe for practical reasons, if Jesus is on the mount, people can see him. He's visible, yep, yep. perhaps. He also has the Sermon on the Plain. We hear in the Gospels yeah. too. That's maybe not quite as uh, visible, <laughs> but but regardless, uh, it, it starts out in verse one of chapter five the, of the Matthew. The acoustics are great the too, by the way. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, so, so where did you? Want to so start? chapter five, verse I've one. Had too I'm, much. I'm ice trying cream. to set too much frozen custard. Oh. Uh, just to set the scene, it says, "Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him." So there's these crowds, and also his disciples specifically mentioned. I think it's kind of interesting. Jesus sits down, and yeah. then he begins to teach, and it, it's kind of the. Uh, That's the, always a bad sign, though, because <laughs> when they sit down, they think, "Oh, this is going to be going on forever." <laughs> <laughs> He's settling in for a long sermon. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, you know, and, and the posture of a teacher oftentimes was sitting and, yes. and the listeners perhaps sitting or perhaps standing as the teacher teaches. Yep. And Jesus certainly taking on that posture as teacher, the ultimate teacher. Uh, so so here he is, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, there's lots of good stuff in the oh, Sermon yes. on the Mount. I don't know if it's bad, obviously. I was going to try to uh, maybe pick up all the way in, in verse 21. Okay. Um, you mentioned Jesus teaches and he teaches during Epiphany with authority, God in the flesh. And I think that in this portion of the Sermon of the Mount, we see a couple things. Uh, one of the things we see is that he teaches with authority. Yeah, yes. more authority than the the scribes and the Pharisees, yeah. uh, because after all, Jesus is God, right? So of course he has authority. Uh, yeah, because it's his actually his own word. It's his yeah. word. I yeah. know this is his material, right? Uh, so we'll start with that. But then also, I think there's a little love connection on this Valentine's Day. Oh, there we go. And uh, anyway, so why, why don't we? Get started here with uh, chapter 5, verse 21. Okay. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. 
But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Stop there or keep going? Well, let's see here. We can stop there if you'd like. Boy, you know, and and talking about love, where's the love and all this? Well, we'll get to that. But um, certainly here you have this this comparison. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Ten Commandments, I believe. I think that's where I heard that. Yeah, yeah, definitely the Ten Commandments. And, and, you know, you have heard, certainly the the disciples and the crowds themselves have heard this often from from the scribes, from the Pharisees, from others, from other religious teachers, right? Uh, As they go to the synagogue, they hear this. They've heard this. They've heard this thing. It's, it's, It's familiar. And yeah, and certainly we still hear that today. But then Jesus takes us a step further, right? Yeah. Uh, verse 22, whoever's angry with his brother is liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother liable to the council. Uh, and, and you fool will be liable to the fire of hell. Jesus takes it a step further. And again, teaching with that authority that he even goes further th- than what they've been taught previously. Uh, well, and that hellfire thing, that's where it gets really, really scary. So that yeah. I, if I if I if someone cuts me off as I'm driving down the road and I say, you fool, that might make me liable to hell. To hell itself, yeah. yeah. And, and the word here, in, in, and yeah, I think we can definitely say hell, and I think that's a, a good way to translate, but yet it's this word Gehenna here ah, uh, that okay. Jesus uses. So this picture of this, uh, do you remember that is this, this yes, trash yeah, heap, right? Out, outside the, the gates. Yeah. yeah where they we're, threw we're, all the, and it just burned and burned and never, like a, like a, like a, 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 a tire fire somewhere in, in the middle of Iowa. <laughs> That's exactly what they probably thought of. That's like a tire fire in Iowa. <laughs> so it just keeps burning and burning. But yeah, just the yeah. stench of oh, a tire yeah. fire, yeah. the yeah. smoke. And similarly, outside of Jerusalem, this this fire, this trash, this landfill that just smolders and burns God, and just never stops. there's nothing like that next to Ted Drew's. Oh, that would spoil me. the whole effect, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would. Uh, but you could go there in the summertime and walk past one of those dumpsters that has yep. uh, the spoiling frozen <laughs> custard in it. It's, it's pretty close. Anyway, we're off the subject. But the, the people, I'm sure, had this, this this very vivid picture of what Jesus is talking yep. about here. And, and certainly this, this physical place outside Jerusalem, this trash heap. But, you know, ultimately, that's really sort of a picture of hell itself, yes. yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So Jesus, boy, doesn't leave any wiggle room here. And I, I think that's I think that's sort of important for us to realize, you know, as as we read this and as we continue, I think we also answer ask ourselves the question, boy, you know, uh, it, what about me? Well, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Am I guilty of this too? It, especially this one, um, you shall not murder, fifth commandment, right? Right. I, yeah, and most people would say, ah, I kept that one. Yeah. You if know. there's one commandment I kept, that's the it's one. the fifth commandment. Yeah. At least I haven't murdered. No. But Jesus, oh, he he leaves. I don't think any of us without guilt here, even when it comes to the fifth commandment. Yeah, uh, because we've all been angry. We've yeah. all been angry, but we don't think about that that actually would make us liable for hell. Just that. Just yeah. that anger. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus doesn't let up. He, he, oh, he keeps going here. He, he goes he, he's beyond so the, annoying sometimes. The fifth commandment to the sixth commandment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just keeps sticking his nose in our business. Uh, so do you want me to jump down to 27 or you want to keep reading verse 23 there? Well, let's see. Well, we can go to we can go to 27. Go ahead. Well, whatever you like there, Matt. Well, let's, let's skip to the lust, John. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gone from preaching to meddling, as they say. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. Yeah, there's another one that I've never broken. Commandment number six. Yeah, I'm, I'm a married two. guy, but, you know, I've been, 
Yeah, I haven't committed adultery. Never, you know, never. Um, no. I've actually slept with two women, but then again, I've had two wives. <laughs> <laughs> you know. As long as it's, you that's know. That's right. It was all the same time. Yeah, that's legit, right. Yeah. But I say to you that everyone who, what? What? But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Oh, I know. Whoa. Oh, Jesus. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Why does he pick on the guys, too? I'm sure there are women out there lusting after men, aren't they? Well, I'm sure there are, and that's yeah. just as bad, right? But uh, Jesus, yeah, he lets the guys have it, and rightly so. I mean, as we, I examine myself as a guy. Yeah, we're all guilty of that, right? Yep, exactly. Oh, gee. Exactly. Um, yeah, and again, Jesus doesn't leave any wiggle room here. Uh, it's not just about cheating on your wife in this physical sense of having an affair. That's not just adultery, but even looking at someone with lustful intent uh, in their heart. I'm, I'm getting the impression that, according to Jesus, now I don't know whether we can believe him or not, <laughs> but according to Jesus, it's maybe not just what we do outwardly, but it's what's going on in our heart. Well, and I think it's, it's, it's a great point because that's exactly what he says. He's committed adultery with her in his what? In his, his heart. heart. In yeah. His so heart. Yeah. it's more than just this external thing. It's more than just eyes and hands and feet. No, it's 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 the heart. Okay. Well, then if that's so, explain to me the next verses. Well, that's, I know that's a good lead in, right? The very next thing Jesus says doesn't have much to do with the heart, but it goes beyond that. All right. Was there anything more you wanted to say about that? Well, I would just say, you know, briefly, uh, you know, and and we might get off on a tangent here, but I just came from a circuit meeting. So we have these winkles. I know that sounds like a weird word, but uh, in, you know, Lutheran pastors get together and I I know they do over New Athens too in that area. Once a month. Once a month. Exactly. So we get together and we talk about theology and church stuff and what's going on in our lives and the life of our congregation. Well, as we we're in this 500th year of the Reformation, I think that one of the things that makes Lutherans distinct uh, is is how we view not just God, but how we view ourselves. And I think that was uh, one of the issues in the Reformation. Yes. It's certainly yes. theological, but also uh, it, it has to do with, with people, too, and how yeah. we view ourselves. Um, are people... Are we at conception and at birth? Are we, you know, pretty good people that are kind of well, maybe on the fence. We could be good or we could yeah, be bad. Yeah. Kind of, it kind of depends. You know, we'll go one way or the other. We'll kind of maybe decide for ourselves. You know, which way we're going to go. And maybe not fundamentally good, but but at least a blank slate. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. so I'm a blank slate. I'm kind of neutral. I'm yeah. not really bad. Not really good. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, and I, I think here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, no, that's not it at yeah, all. No. <laughs> you you wish you were a blank slate, maybe, but no, we are we're bad. We're evil. And, and we think of places like Psalm 51, certainly, sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And I think here, too, we see this um, in what Jesus says here, that it's not just about physical murder. It's not just about committing adultery in terms of cheating on your spouse, but it's deeper than that. As you point out, John, it's a problem of the heart right, itself. Right. And I think that's really... I, I'm, I'm thinking of some passage where Jesus says something about out of the heart comes evil desires. Oh my goodness, yeah. Matthew 15, out of the heart yep. comes evil desires. And then he lists all these things, lust and adultery and theft and murder and on and on and on about all these things that come from the heart. Now the heart isn't a, a good thing. It's not even a neutral thing. The heart isn't evil thing on its own. All men are sinful from their youth. Isn't there a yeah. passage like yeah. that too? Okay. Yeah. All right. Most definitely. And I, I think that's so important to recognize. Now, certainly that's not all the Reformation was about, but I think that is one of the things that, that the Reformation really helped to bring to light is to restore this idea that, 
men and women are just sinners, <laughs> you know, sinful from the get-go. And, you know, and why that's so important is if we are, if we are all sinners, then we need an all-sufficient Savior. Right. And that's what it all comes down to is, no, we don't contribute to our salvation. We're not this, this blank slate. We're not pretty good, and we just need a little boost to be even better from Jesus. No, we need a, a, a Savior that completely saves us, uh, body, soul, heart, the whole thing. And I think that's so important to recognize. So tough words from Jesus here, but words that I think help us realize just the depths of our sin and our, our desperate need for that Savior from sin. Well, if we're a blank slate, then it is just simply a matter of getting more good marks on the slate than there are bad marks. And yeah, so that's yeah. the problem. Let's, Let's just tip keep, the scales. keep adding up the good marks. But if the slate itself is corrupt, well, then I guess either mark, even even the good marks, then aren't really going to be good at all. Are, well, in fact, I think, didn't Isaiah say that? Your righteous deeds are like filthy yeah, rags yeah, on the big side deal. of the Lord. Yeah. So, yeah, so the whole thing is just rotten to start off with. It doesn't matter what marks you would put on it. So Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, no, I, I, I don't know. I, if you have something more to say, go ahead. No, I think... no. I, I've just still wanted to find out. So why, if it is about our hearts, then why does he say what he says in these next Okay, verses? well, let's check that out. And okay. I, I think I mentioned, too, you know, this Valentine's Day and this weekend after Valentine's Day. Uh, where do we see love in these verses, too? These oh, are some of the strangest verses in, I think, the, all of Scripture. And yet, I think maybe even there's love in these verses. But let's, let's okay, check it okay. out. All right. Uh, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And again, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Well, now you just said it was about the heart, and now he's talking about plugging out eyes and cutting off hands. I know. Exactly. So if your right eye causes you sin, pluck it out. Right hand causes you sin, cut it off. It's better for you to lose a couple body parts than your whole body. Which I agree with that. I'm not arguing with that. It would be better to lose. But but if the problem is the heart, so what? what? Well, I I think Jesus knows, and I think probably deep down we know too, uh, that if you pluck out your right eye because it's sin, guess what? Your left eye is probably (laughs) going to find a way to sin too. He's having fun with this, isn't he? Yeah, he kind of is. Same with their hand. We cut off the right one. Guess what? The left one's going to start sinning. No problem. You know, so I think we need to recognize... Yeah, Jesus is talking about how serious sin is yeah, here. Yeah. No doubt about it. But I think he's also, where the love factor comes in here, I think he's also emphasizing just how much he loves us and in that love desires us to be with him. Uh-huh, you know, okay. if he, you know, he would rather come at, at his return and us be resurrected, not quite whole, but going to be with him, than our whole bodies be raised and, and sent to hell. Um, he, you know, Paul writes to Timothy, he desires that all be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Uh, Ezekiel, uh, he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they turn from their ways and live. He wants us to be with him right now. So, I mean, that great love here, yeah. having said that, I think you're right. Jesus is kind of playing with us too, in terms of, of being literal versus figurative. And, and here, grammarians would tell us, English teachers would tell us, it, it's hyperbole, right? Jesus is exaggerating, over-exaggerating here, but in an attempt to emphasize just how much he loves us and just how serious sin is, too. Um, so, no, does he want us to literally pluck our eye out? Well, no. Well, because no. I'm thinking even blind people probably lust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that ain't going to solve the problem of sin. Cut our hand off? No, that isn't going to solve the problem of sin. And as you pointed out, 
The problem goes deeper than that. The problem goes all the way to the heart. And guess what? If we rip our heart out of our chest, we're dead. We can't yes. do that, right? Um, what we need is, is a new heart. We need to be a, a new person. Uh, that's what's needed here. So a, a seriousness of sin, but also the depth, I think, of Jesus' love for us. And then also uh, this exaggeration showing us, you know, getting to what the solution to sin is. But but I, I like the thought, Matt, I like the thought that the, the more serious we make the sin, the greater we're going to make the love of Christ. The more that emphasizes how total and complete the height, the depth, the breadth, and the length of the love of God, if if we're not really that bad a sinner, if sin isn't really that bad of a problem, well, then he doesn't really have to love us all that much. Yeah. But if it is, as you described it here, if it is this of such great consequence that we better plucking and cutting off hands and, and other body parts, that, uh, um, wow, then he must really, really love us to want to come and, and die for people like yeah. that. Yeah, and that's exactly it. When we realize how serious our sin is, then we know when that Savior came, when Jesus comes willingly, knowing what's going to take place, right? He knows even now on the Sermon of the Mount that he's going to give up more than just his hand, give up more than just his uh, eye. Yeah. No, he's going to give up his back to be whipped, his head to be crowned with thorns, and ultimately he's going to give up his heart to stop beating He's as he's crucified, as he dies, as he's buried. He gives up his whole self so that our whole self can be redeemed. I uh, like that everything. image. Yeah. I like that image. Yeah. So it's not just that he's given up pieces but but because we need the entirety of salvation from our heart all the way through our eyes and our fingers, that's what he's going to give up. I liked your reference to the resurrection, too, that that becomes the hope then. Because actually, what's described here is what's going to happen, only it's going to be a lot more complete. We're going to take our whole body and we're going to throw it in a pit, and it's going to rot and the worms are going to come in and, and gnaw on us. But but that's okay, because that's taken care of by Christ, too. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, like you pointed out, I appreciate that when we know the seriousness of our sin, then this becomes that much more important. Because, you know, if we don't really need that complete, total Savior, then it's that's not that big of a deal. But no, because we need him, his death, his resurrection, his return, thats that means everything, right? But I think it also shapes how we show love in this life, oh, too. Okay. Now that we've been redeemed wholly by him, by this kind of strange love that he's shown us by dying uh, and giving up his self, we love others. And we love in ways that I think probably seem strange to the outside world, too. You know, as Christians, we, we tithe and we give. That seems kind of strange to do that freely. And we volunteer our time at the church. And we, you know, we love our neighbor just on a day-to-day basis in the workplace or at the school classroom or wherever it might be. That's kind of strange. Uh, but because of that, that love of God shown for us in Christ Jesus, now we love others in ways that maybe seem sort of strange to the outside world, but yet we're a reflection of that great love, that strange love, that sacrificial love that Jesus showed us uh, ultimately on the cross. Yeah, and that word sacrifice is what struck me as you were you were making those comments, that, that it isn't, for Christians, it's not just about being nice to people, but it is the understanding that we will have to sacrifice our lives for the lives of the people around us. Not not that we're doing that all the time, but that that's actually what lies at the heart of it, that we are willing to give up everything, if that's what would be necessary, 
uh, for those that uh, we love and we care for. And like I say, that flows from Jesus Christ. Oh, it's time to close. I know. Time flies when you're having fun and when you're talking frozen custard. Frozen custard. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank you, Matt, for that uh, brief discussion there of the... Uh, uh, Whatever it was. Excuse me. And and next week, next week, we're going to focus on the lesson that thousands and millions of Christians will be reading, which is the uh, Transfiguration. All right. Looking forward to next week.